Welcome back, everyone, to the Madness and Grace podcast. Today, Matt and I have some special guests from the Hope and Healing Center and Institute's Gateway to Hope program, which is our mental health training program. Um, and we are joined by Carolina and Mariana. How are you guys doing today? We're doing good. We're good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here today. Yeah, we're really happy to have you. And I know today we wanted to kind of just talk about mental health ministries in general obviously give a brief overview of um, the Gateway to Hope program, but um, you guys are the ones out there kind of in the field and creating these ministries. So yeah, we're really excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for being here, guys. So, you know, I did want to just have a conversation about mental health ministries because, you know, when we when I had this idea many years ago about training uh, in churches, you know, I want to talk about that a little bit, but you guys are out there every day on the front lines, uh, as I was for many years, and you run into a lot of different different types of church settings and different individuals, and, and I thought we would just talk about some of the uh, things churches uh, have going on, some of the problems they're having, some of the successes they're having, uh, some of the questions they're asking, things like that. So, you know, one of the things that originally led me to even come up with the idea of doing the training in churches is that we know that people in psychological distress are more likely to go to a clergy before they go to a, a physician or a mental health care provider when they first uh, seek out assistance. Uh, and it's a really odd statistic. So, it, you know, it's something that happens in uh, uh, the general population, uh, whether people believe in God or not, whether they're associated with a faith community or not, uh, they're just more likely to go there. And then we just find a very small number of uh, clergy ever make a referral because they just don't have the kind of connections with the mental health care system that they would need uh, or, that, or that they would need to maintain. And then really, they a lot of times just don't see what's sitting in front of them because people don't walk in and say, I've got a mental health problem. They walk in and describe the symptom of, a, you know, like I've I lost another job or I'm not getting along with my wife or whatever. And so the, you know, I think when you're in a faith community context, the, you know, the, you're thinking, well, this is a spiritual issue. So I'm, I'm here to minister to them in a spiritual sense. And so uh, they kind of miss it. So that was the, kind of the original thought. Since we know that a majority of people never receive any treatment, what if we could make uh, faith communities real front doors to the mental health care system where people are recognized? Uh, they might get connected professional service, but also uh, faith community is a place where people can be supported and affirmed and encouraged and, and people can advocate for them and walk along with them as they get care, just like they faith communities do for people with all types of other problems. And so that was the original thought. And that thought probably happened uh, almost two decades ago when I first started all this. And so uh, and then uh, then we've developed it now into the Gateway to Hope program that's here at the Hope and Healing Center. So one of the things we want to say before we really get this conversation going is if you're interested in seeing the resources and training and all that, you know, you're just going to need to go to our mentalhealthgateway.org website. That's where everything is. There's also an app, Mental Health Gateway app, but the mentalhealthgateway.org website and uh, I know Emily will put that in the comments so that everybody can connect with that. So everything we talk about will be there. So, so uh, Carolina, Mariana, what, you know, as you go out, you know, not necessarily related to Gateway to Hope yet, but what kind of things are you seeing out there? What type of things are churches saying like, oh, this is what we're struggling with, or, or this is what we really, we think we need or don't need, or, you know, what, you know, what, why don't you go first, Carolina? So, yeah, so we get the privilege to be out in the community um, really often. 
um, which is awesome because we get to see the work that we do come to life and it's super rewarding. Um, But at the same time, we do see some of these common problems. Um, Anxiety is always a really big one. Um, I feel like when I ask people, so what's the biggest challenge in mental health that your community is facing? Anxiety always seems to be the biggest one. We've seen a lot of ministries focus on addiction and some sort of behavioral health type things. Um, Most, I will say a lot of ministries will start with an addictions ministry. Um, And as you get into that, it's only a very, it's a clear connection that addiction is very connected to mental health. So I think those are the two biggest ones would be anxiety and addiction. What about you, Mariana? You know, going back on, not only identifying the fact that it needs to be talked about, I will say that when we go out of the community, I feel like they're so much more open to having the conversation than a lot of people think. So I think that's been a wonderful thing to um, kind of go in because going into a community that you already have stigma around not accepting this conversation and really having an open door to having this conversation. I think a lot of people don't want to have the conversation in church because they have the stigma reversed also. But um, what I have seen a lot of the church wanting to get equipped and understanding how they can respond to this mental health, any mental health distress. So you see a range of different things. I personally wouldn't have gone to it. I get a lot of family members coming and asking me, how can they help their loved ones or tell me the story about somebody else to get help. So that's when, um, that's the biggest thing I've seen is how much families want to talk about what's happening to a loved one and really kind of going diving into their symptoms. So the conversation is really is really uh, wanting to pick up. I'm glad I just wanted to jump in and say I'm glad to hear that you know you're seeing that churches do want to take this program that you know you mentioned stigma and how in religious settings obviously there's going to be some pushback. Have you guys felt any pushback from different places you've gone in terms of you know obviously they want to take the training but have they said you know well, we don't really want to talk about that. You know, it just, it's too sensitive a topic. Have you guys run into that at all? Or does everyone seem to be pretty open? Yeah. Well, what I've noticed too, is the people that will reach out to us or whenever they're ready to get gateway to hope training, they're Mm -hmm. already open to the conversation. So I would say that's probably our biggest barrier is getting connected to a church, um, that is wanting to receive this information. Typically what happens is an individual will take our training and they want to bring it to the church, but they're just not ready. They don't know if the church is ready because they have so much other things going on. Um, That's a common problem that we have. Um, But then when we get into the church, there is um, stigma issues. And um, I think it's helpful that we have stats and science to back things up. And we're never telling people that they have to turn away from their faith to receive this information. So it's not mutually exclusive. It's not one way or the other. I always say um, faith is such a huge tool in someone's mental health and connecting to something is such an important part. So it's not like I'm saying, okay, you take medication and you go to therapy and um, don't even think about church anymore. It's not anything like that at all. What's helpful is that when we go to train these churches, um, we have the awareness that we're not always a part of that community. 
Um, And so we always lean into letting them inform us about what they're going through and inviting people in that community to kind of share their story. um, And so people can hear from them, as well as if they want to add more faith pieces that are going to resonate more with that community. um, We're always super receptive to that as well. And I think we do a good job, um, both Caroline and I, at letting the communities know that there are the experts of their own community. And um, that allows that to take back some control while still receiving this information, because at the end of the day, there's a lot of amazing information within this training that they they can apply it. And once those walls are down, they really receive the information uh, much more vulnerably, which is what we hope that they can see through the information and then being like, this works for us. We can apply that. This is manageable for us too. And, uh, you know, when, when I first started the development of this when we used to in the in the very early days it was called mental health 101 that's what it, that was the original <laughs> name so horrible name but um, now it's empowered we love it, <laughs> it bad. but the um you know the idea was to really affirm people in their faith and to, to use the language of faith as we discuss these things as opposed to what I'd seen in the past where maybe a psychologist comes into a church and just kind of throws up a bunch of science mm-hmm. and then with no, not that necessarily that was wrong what they said, but there was no way for the faith community to integrate or connect that to what they already were doing. And so, so I know that that is something that we try to do to, to use a language of faith to say that, you know, this is something just that will make your ministry even more effective uh, by adding these resources and tools. Uh, and, you know, it's just a kind of an addition to what you're already doing. It's not like a whole new, like everything has to be out of nowhere, you know, uh, start a whole new thing. Now, one of the things that I hear the most, and I know you guys have said this to me before, but I hear a lot of, is this idea of particularly a, a church is like, well, we don't, you know, or a person gets a training and they're like, well, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to start this. Uh, and one thing I would say is that, you know, one of the you know, it's such a kind of all-encompassing problem. You know, mm-hmm. it's so, as you said, Caroline, a lot of times the church will start an addiction ministry, and then all of a sudden they realize that at least half the people with the mental health, with an addiction, have a mental health problem. And now there's all kind of, you know, everything's going on here. And, uh, you know, one of the things I would say to people out there that are like, well, I have no idea where to start. Has, you have to realize that you don't have to try to start everything at, all at one time. And I think that a lot of times is the problem. You can start very small. Uh, you could start with a single person in the church trained to help make referrals. You could start with a, one single support group for one particular issue, and you can grow things over time. So, I mean, that's always my response is like, you know, don't you don't have to try to start everything at one time. Just do something, you know, just kind of start from your biggest need. And, and as you guys said earlier, the churches know themselves the best. What's their biggest need? If it's an addiction ministry or, or addiction group or whatever. You know, just just start something and begin to grow that. And I know in Gateway to Hope we can kind of help people along with those kind of things. But what's what are some of the issues you've seen in in relationship to trying to get a ministry up and going? And and maybe give uh, the listeners an idea of kind of what kind of time frame are are we talking here when we're talking about getting something up and going? I think I can uh, I can step in on this and say we've seen. Some people will start, like you said, backwards. And as much as we have the perfect train track, training track for everybody to be able to start their mental health ministry, um, I think like you were mentioning, you just have to start somewhere and do something. And that can look like every 
every month meet up, meeting up on Sundays right after church and talk about it. Are we ready? How much bandwidth do we have as far or manpower do we have to be able to keep moving it forward or revisiting? But I think that is, um, and everybody's timeline looks different because we've had, Matt, we recently um, had a training at the Asian American Church and they're already implementing support groups. They're already implementing um, a mandatory empower training for any new staff and any new volunteers. So some people get get picked up really quickly because that was just April. And then we've had churches that from because of virtual, we've been able to train people virtually. So we have one, the East Coast, that has been able to just slowly uh, have small meetings. Then they'll say, we're ready to have a full group to have one training and then kind of move forward to their own timeline. So I think um, that timeline, just as long as you said, as long as it's moving forward, then they're able to really do the track. Yeah. And typically the person driving this, um, we encouraging we encourage them to get their mental health coach training um, as well. And with the coaches, me and Mariana, I think do a great job at providing resources that they need. So once a month, we will do coach calls with these coaches and we develop the coach calls based on what they have told us that they need. So things like getting started with your mental health ministry or marketing your mental health ministry or different things that they have told us. Um, we'll, at the end of the year, we'll look at all of the feedback we've gotten and we'll kind of plan out the rest of the future years coach call topics based on what people have told us. And what we always tell them is that, you know, use us as a tool, use us as a resource. If we don't have that information, um, we can point you in the right direction. Um, so although it sometimes it is hard to get started and we do hear people saying, okay, I took the training, what's my next step? And we want them to know that they can use us for guidance in that way. And similar to what Matt was saying before, I always recommend people start with a support group because it's just open doors, whoever needs to be here can be here. And that will really demonstrate the need for more extensive care in the form of a mental health ministry, because people are going to be a little bit less intimidated to join a support group. And so that will really show the amount of people that need that help. Yeah. You know, another thing that I have heard over the years is uh, a lot of times people or churches will say something like, well, that's just for big churches that have a lot of money or mm -hmm. have a lot of people. Uh, now they will, you know, every church will admit at this point that they're being pretty much overwhelmed by mental health issues. That was happening really before the pandemic, but that brought everything to the forefront. And so, you know, every church is getting overwhelmed by anxiety and depression and isolation and loneliness. And, all. and so, so, you know, one of the things I would say is that, you know, that's kind of a, a misconception because, you know, for instance, our training doesn't really cost anything. Uh, and, and so that's easy to get the training and you don't really need a lot of people. If you're just talking about, say, for instance, say you're a small church that just has a volunteer staff uh, and, you know, you, you have a, somebody trained as a mental health coach that can provide, uh, some ongoing support and some, uh, referrals to the community. And, you know, you start a support group, which is, uh, you know, which free curriculum, you just follow a curriculum and, you know, it provides a kind of ongoing support that's been demonstrated to minimize symptoms. I mean, you could easily do something like that. I mean, I think about a, a small church that I dealt with up in a, in a county north of here, uh, older congregation, very small church, uh, interested in engaging mental health in their 
uh, community. And basically, they kind of did a needs assessment of what was going on in their county. And they realized that there was a, a real need for support for men and women that were getting out of the out of the county jail there, you know, that had been in there for a while. So they basically started a group for people that were getting out, kind of assimilating them back into society. I mean, it's, uh, um, you know, it, it very simple, very straightforward, and it's made a huge impact in their in their county. And, and so they collaborate with local law enforcement. So, you know, it, it costs nothing. It, it costs them nothing to do and requires a few volunteers. So what are, um, you know, what are some other things that you have, you guys have heard about like, well, why we can't start it or why it's not really for us, or I wish we could just overcome this and maybe we could start it. Like you mentioned, the space, a lot of people are, um, if they're not coming straight from a head staff, like a pastor or somebody, sometimes it's somebody that has run into our program or run into our resources that kind of needs to be able to take this training or this information out to a senior pastor or more of the senior leaderships that are decision-making. So I think a lot of the barriers that I've seen personally is people that have fallen in love with with our resources, what the, uh, the hope line, whatever, from whatever um, resource that they found us from and just taking it back to leadership to then be able to implement it into, into the church and then recruiting who else is going to be like-minded to be able to want to move this forward. So I think those two are the biggest barriers. Yeah, I think you make a good point there. I, I want to just highlight that is that, you know, a lot of times it isn't a pastor or a minister or a, or a staff member of a church that contacts us. It's just a passionate congregant mm-hmm. who themselves have had a mental health problem, or a lot of times their family members have had a mental health problem. And they came across a book I wrote or our training, or they they saw something, you know, and it got us connected. Uh, and now they're super excited about what we're offering and what they then do is they kind of go through the training themselves and then they kind of go and just kind of dump this mm-hmm. on one of the clergy. And that doesn't always work. Uh, and so I, I wanted to just give kind of a, I've, I've been thinking about this uh, of why, of how to respond to that, because we get that a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, in fact, then we get a really disappointed person that's been trained who says, well, my pastor doesn't want to do this and they're not supporting me and whatever. And and I think what I would say to that person is this, the pastor, you recognize the need, you, you recognize the need. either that's personal, like you had in your family or you have a friend or you've seen it at your church. And so you're, you recognize the need and you're passionate about the need. And now you've gotten the training. But oftentimes when people go in, they then go in and they say, okay, pastor, well, here, we need to do this training with everybody uh, so we can set this up at the church. And the clergy or the ministry staff, they don't necessarily recognize the need. And you need to understand that that's okay because they may, they may not be seeing this the way you're seeing it because you have more of a personal perspective. So what you need to do first before you go in and say, Hey, I got trained or I've got this or we need to do this is you need to go in and help them understand what the need is. Don't, don't go in and talk about the training. Go in and talk about the need. Go in and say, hey, did you know that my son has been in a psychiatric hospital three times because he struggles with bipolar disorder? And because of that, I know that in our own church, there are a number of families that have that problem. And, you know, here's a statistic that says people are more likely to go to a church. Have you ever had interactions with people like that? And I bet, you know, if you if you help the clergy or ministry staff understand that there is a need, you then 
can help them understand how that need can be met. And I think the problem is when you go in and you talk to a minister or clergy and you say, we need to do X, like we need to start this ministry or we need, all they're thinking about is time, people, and money. So I'm going to have to come up with more time. I'm going to have to find more people. And somehow this is going to cost the church money and we've got a limited budget. So if you, you have to first kind of prioritize the need and show them that it's a need of the church. And in those instances, you know, I see that it, uh, you know, you have a better chance, but I've seen a lot of disappointed people uh, that feel like their church doesn't understand them. Uh, and really what it is, is they, they're just not understanding the need, I think. Right. And that's a really healthy way to approach it because you're kind of being your own testimonial to why I am a member of your church and I need help. And I know other people that this would be beneficial. So I think being your own testimony and bringing that forward instead of the training, like you said, would definitely be a great, um, a great opening. Matt and I usually record these episodes, you know, 20, 25 minutes at a time. I think there's so much more to cover about this topic. So I think we're going to make this episode into a two-parter. There's just so many other things. I feel like we could go on and on about this and it's really important. So we'll go ahead and end part one here. Like Matt said at the beginning of the episode, I'm going to include all of the Gateway to Hope information, all of those resources in our show notes and stay tuned for part two on how to build a mental health ministry in your church.